Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Paranormal Peeps podcast. Still pretty sure it's the only podcast with three Ps and three words. Or maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. P- Everybody's looking at me like, no. P cubed. Either way. Is it cubed or cubed? P3. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not into math. So anyway, well, I have to be quiet now. <laughs> Why? It's fine. We're good. You have a microphone. You don't have to I be quiet have at any time. You just let it fly. We're good. So all right, kids. Well, welcome <laughs> to Paranormal Peeps Podcast. Uh, we appreciate you turning in. Thanks for coming back. Hopefully, the last ones were good enough that it did make you come back. And if it's your first episode, well, you've got a whole bunch of backlisting to do. So uh, we are here uh, recording this. This is actually be coming out in uh, December, right? Yep. Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> or Hanukkah or whatever you I choose. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Happy holidays. <laughs> right. Yes. Hope you got, <laughs> had good turkey, good gravy, skip the NFL. Good Because of, good... of the time of recording this, it's almost July. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Podcast magic. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's the, yeah, anyway. <laughs> Messing with you, it's not July. It's still cold outside. Anyway, um... So we are unfortunately missing the lovely Elisa tonight. She uh, is home with, uh, I don't know, sick kids, I believe. Yeah. Six Battling, yeah. Battling the illnesses. So, it you know, is what that, happens when you have children. It's that time of year. It's that when time it, of year. When, you know, weather gets cold, people get cold. Cold, flu, people get season. sick. It's... I mean, I had leprosy last week. It was terrible. <laughs> I got the plague this week. So. I know. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you stopped <laughs> using. Yeah, me too. You know, I don't have to look across the table at that. <laughs> Well, what we do have here, Elisa, if you're listening to this, we totally missed you. We miss you. And you're the one that was going to keep us on the rails. And so, heaven help you all. <laughs> <laughs> it's going off the rails. It's off the rails. We're already off the reservation here. Okay. So, uh, anyway, we do have here, uh, t- let's go around the table, just introduce ourselves. It's Josh. And Jamie. Terry. She's my wife. And I am Lord Mike. Uh, so... Uh, we do have a fun topic tonight. Uh, a couple episodes ago, back around Halloween time, uh, we talked about Dracula's castle, and uh, we at the same at the time we were like, "Let's do some Dracula's castle. Let's do some Castle Frankenstein." And we found out there was way too much to cover both of those in one episode, and so we're back to do part two of that. We're going to talk about Castle Frankenstein, one of the most famous monsters. Yes, or the castle. And oh, the monster. But is, the it, man. is it Frankenstein's monster or just Frankenstein? No, his name is Adam. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I'm going to talk about that. <laughs> but if, he was, if it was made up of many parts. Jamie's robot. <laughs> there it is. I better take care of that. <laughs> if, if, we were uh, just talking about that earlier. <laughs> Sorry, if, guys. If the monster was made up of many body parts, right? Couldn't it have just chosen like this week? I am Alice because my toe is from Alice. Hey, we're PC. We, you can identify as anything you want anymore. That's true. And then Frankenstein really is a they and them. Yeah. It should be, right? <laughs> <laughs> or we well, and us. No, but yeah, it's not right? even, he wasn't even all human. There was animal parts, too. It's got to kind of put it all together. Yeah. Well, then he's a Wendigo. But then he was That's intelligent. Right. <laughs> he is e purpose unum, unum of many, one. So he's the U.S., it's United States. Oh my gosh! Oh, we cracked the code. Boom! We cracked the code. Epiphanies all around. It's like I didn't know that. 
This was written in 18... I mean, Mary Shelley was in 1816. That's like an... Wow. It was a metaphor for the United States. That's right. Wow. We'd only been in a country for like 20 years and then boom. It was like a prophecy. A little bit longer than 20 years. Um, okay, like... 1776 to 1816. Uh, that's 42 years. Uh, sure, sure. 40 years. You're good okay. at math. <laughs> I math good. I don't... But we'll get to all that stuff. So what am I doing? Jamie, talk, tell us about uh, Frank, Castle Frankenstein. Okay, yeah. So, so before 1250, Lord Conrad II, uh, he built Frankenstein Castle and thereafter named himself von und zu Frankenstein. Uh, the first document proving the existence of the castle was in 1252, and that bears his name. I have um, to stop you right there. I've yes, seen sir. the movie. It's Frankenstein. <laughs> Frankenstein. I'm going to say Gene, Frankenstein. Gene, no, Gene Wilder told us. Sorry. <laughs> you better continue. reference the movie that is because we have people it's, here it's that called, don't watch movies. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's Josh. <laughs> it's called Young Frankenstein with Josh with Gene Wilder. So at Sorry, the beginning of the 15th century, the castle was enlarged and then modernized. So Frank, being an ancient Germanic, Germanic? Germanic. Yep. Germanic um, tribe and Steen meaning stone. So many places in Germany uh, actually share this moniker. And of course, the most famous is being Frankenstein Castle. And I'm going to say Frankenstein. But on an interesting note. <laughs> no, you should say Frankenstein. Say Frankenstein. I'm just messing with So um, another report is that the castle was constructed in the late 10th century after a knight named Arbogast von. Frankenstein won the land in a contest of arms. So members of the von Frankenstein family occupied the castle up until the late 1600s when it was then sold and turned into a hospital. It was a hospital? Con- contest of arms. Yeah. Could wow. that be an arm wrestling tournament? Uh, could be. Or it could be that, you know, they, they fought like with battles. swords. Yeah. I just <laughs> maybe they battled with arms. It's like wah, 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 wah. the problem is is bring I, me another arm. This one's too short. <laughs> I keep thinking of of Knight's Tale. Right? Oh yeah, <laughs> and, you know that's that's historically accurate. A movie he has seen. <laughs> it is accurate. I love that movie. I, I know it's a good movie. It's accurate, like Braveheart. <laughs> Are you not entertained? Wait, that's Gladiator. Uh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I haven't seen it. These are all good shows, though. Yeah, they're all good movies. It's all right. It's all, the list of ones that I've seen. So that kind of brings us to Johann Conrad Dippel, who was born in 1673 in the castle. Um, you guys might know him better as Dr. Frankenstein. Um, I just know him as Johann. Johann? Yo, for short. We're tight. Or Han? <laughs> nah, he didn't like that one. <laughs> it's like I was done. It's like my daughter. She, her name's Annika. She doesn't like to be called Anakin. He didn't like to be called Han. It's like I wasn't in Star Wars. It's yo. <laughs> if he would, Duh. look. If he if, if he would have been in Star Wars, he would have been a Sith. So, but uh, his father was actually a, a Lutheran clergy member, and he was the fourth generation Dippel. So that would make Johan the fifth generation Dippel. Um. Johann was initially tutored by his father um, in the hopes that he would carry on the family tradition. He would 
uh, he <laughs> would not. He ended up going to the University of Gießen uh, in. Yeah, so he went to the University of Gießen. While going, uh, while going to Gießen, he studied theology, philosophy, and alchemy, and was reputed to be an unusually gifted intellectual. So, well, yeah, those are those are smart kid things. I mean, theology. I mean, that's just religion. Yeah. What was the other one? Philosophy. Philosophy. That's like a smart kid thing. Yeah. And then alchemy. That's just chemistry. That's just chemistry. But but still, it's like. I don't know. That's that's chemistry before we actually knew before what we there were was doing. before there was chemistry. I mean, yeah. So this is like seriously smart kid stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think he was a little too smart for his own good, though, um, because during that time when he was actually going to college at Gießen, uh, he was a staunch defender of traditional Lutheranism, uh, the Lutheran faith against the pious, the Pietists or Pietists. Now, most everyone's going to be going. What? Because I know I did. <laughs> the uh, the pi- Pietism was a reform movement back in the back in the seventeenth and eighteenth centuries, uh, Dutch and German for Dutch and German Protestant Protestantism, Protestantism, <laughs> prostates. You're yeah. as bad as me. I know. <laughs> pronouncing. Pull your things. knees up to your chest. This is going to feel a little pressure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it actually emphasized the personalized faith against the main Lutheran churches, perceived stress on doctrine and theology over Christian living. So it's almost like, you know, the whole Lutheran, like the whole uh, Protestant reclamation and when Lutheranism came out. Um, so it's a big, you know, it's a big deal to be kind of like pushing against the the standard form of things. Well, yeah. So... The, the funny thing is, is after he left college, he moved to Strasbourg. Well, Dippel ended up joining the Pietists and started attacking Orthodox Lutheranism. So, like, he's like, I hate you. I'm with dad. You. <laughs> yeah. It could, it could have been a daddy issue. Very well could have been a daddy issue. Um, I was just say that's the root of all evil. Dads? All daddy issues. Oh. I thought you were going to say religion. <laughs> no, it could be religion too. Absolutely. Um, he would start uh, leading protests, and it's these actions that actually led him to going to prison for seven years for heresy. So they took speaking out against the, the religions pretty seriously back in those days. Oh, yeah. Mainly because didn't, they were sponsored by the church. Well, didn't Martin Luther like get uh, suffer a horrible life? Yeah. Didn't he get murdered? Uh, I believe so. He he got suicided. I think he did. I think the Clintons got him. <laughs> the Clintons got him. Sorry. <laughs> Boy, that goes to go back yeah, a long way. Cut ways. that out. <laughs> we don't want to get Clinton They do go back. <laughs> so, but yeah, so obviously heresy was a pretty big deal back then because speaking out against religion was actually speaking out against the crown and they would end up throwing you in prison for that. I'm surprised he actually survived because a lot of people who were were listed as heretics were executed. So Joan of Arc was a heretic. She was a heretic and she got burned at the stake for it. Yeah. That's another movie I watched. Ah, the one with, you start uh, making a list. You might be up to 10 movies now. I know. Gosh. <laughs> the one with, uh, Mila Jojovich. Yeah, sure. Yeah. No, it was Bill and Ted. Joan of Arc was in Bill and Ted. So he, she was, <laughs> I'm at 11. <laughs> she was Miss of Arc. <laughs> That's what they call it. Um, 
So after he got out of prison, he went on to lecture at Witherby and Strasbourg, uh, two different universities. So there's like modern day, you know, uh, teachers or um, professors. You know, they all at least been to jail once. They're all criminals. <laughs> <laughs> They're all heretics, honestly. <clears throat> so uh, even though he barely studied alchemy at Gießen, like his rudimentary alchemy classes, he actually started lecturing alchemy and philosophy at those schools. Sounds like Bill Nye. Bill Nye, science guy. Gym education. Pretty much. <laughs> it's like he had like a minor in like biology, something like that. I don't know what it is, but yeah. Hey, he made science cool. Or dorky. <laughs> he made bow ties cool. Everybody loved watching Bill Nye. Yeah, I didn't. I never watched. I loved it. Bill Nye. I'm, I'm old school. It was Mr. Wizard. I loved him too. Yeah, it's first Mr. Wizard, then Bill Nye. So really, Dipple was the predecessor to Bill Nye and yeah, Bill Nye, Mr. Wizard. I have Bill Nye apologists going to be sending us letters. So, under the name of Christianus Democritus, he published over seventy works of or seventy works, so literary works, right? Which I think is funny because if you look at the names, that's that that really looks like Democratic Christian, right? And he was definitely not <laughs> any of that. Um, but that was a pseudonym, right? That was his name. Yeah, he was. It was, was his, his writing. He was pseudonym. Yeah. So, um, and a lot of people. I mean, a lot of authors have written under pen names. Well, he probably chose a name that would be more acceptable. If he says I'm like a Christian, and you know, then people are going to accept it more than. I don't know. Maybe not. I'll shut up now. <laughs> I'll try anyway. Uh, because of his religious provocations in Strasbourg, and. The fact that he was blamed for killing a man in a duel, he was forced to flee back to Gießen. This man's got a bad history. Okay, now what kind of duel is this? Was like swords? He didn't say. Swords, it was arms. jousting, <laughs> firearms. <laughs> arms, arms. Just arms. <laughs> arms to arms. It was the arms battle. <laughs> they slapped each other with arms. Well, it was 1673, so we all know that was before firearms were existed. Okay. Josh no, he was born in like, 1673. Josh, Josh is like... Firearms existed back then. They did. <laughs> they did. Gunpowder has been around for centuries. Or millennia, I should say. Uh, Dippo was convinced that he was able to turn lead into gold. Um, you know, the awful uh, alchemy thing back then. Uh, so he, he got some investors. And uh, after eight months of failed attempts, he was forced to flee to Berlin to escape his enemies and his creditors. <laughs> this man is just running. He's, well, like he's Doc, smart. He's like he's Doc smart. Brown in the, in the plutonium from the Libyans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dipple ends up back in the place of his birth, attempting to create the elixir of life. Uh, he ends up creating what's called Dipple's oil, uh, which its primary use was a tanning agent. Well, this was nasty. Oh, awful. awful. Absolutely awful. Awful. But what's funny is it's like, hey, you know what? Let's use this to tan the hide of this animal, and then we're going to drink it. Yeah. That makes Well, uh, they used to use it to coat the um, the water wells mm-hmm. to poison the people in towns. Yeah. During, was it World War? World War II. World War II, yeah. Yeah, just some nasty, nasty uh-huh. stuff. So... The crazy thing is Dipple actually marketed this awful thing as a cure for everything from the common cold to epilepsy. So Dipple was the first snake oil salesman. Mm. 
You know, if it if it tans like skins, right? What would it do to your stomach? I mean, are like we talk like never getting heartburn? No, we're talking like never having a stomach. Oh yeah. Um, I, I read what was actually in it. It's I'd have I can tell you what it is right now, but it's just absolutely awful stuff. They don't recommend actually ingesting it. <laughs> well, there's a lot they don't recommend ingesting, <laughs> right? But people do bleach, T- Tide Pods, bats. <laughs> But if you mix Tide Pods with bats, now you got yourself a tasty treat. Tasty, yummy treat. Yeah. On a spin cycle first. Yes. <laughs> uh, the oil was made from the distillation of animal matter, including leather, blood, ivory, and horns. Oh, sign me up. Yeah, right? <laughs> it was a black, oily substance that had a smell of ammonia. Yeah. Here. So does cat urine. <laughs> Drink it. I was going to make a noise, but I'm not going to. <laughs> like, ah. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> um, he claimed that by drinking it, you could live to be 135 years old. Uh, you could. No. Well, he made the claim that he was going to live yep. to 135 yeah. as well. He said yeah. he was that right. old. So it's rumored that he sold it to the Count August von. Uh, Say von Lichtenstein, please. Wittgenstein. Wittgenstein. Oh, close enough. It is. It's very close. Von Lichtenstein. Uh, From Gelderland. After selling it to him, he died only a couple of years later. So, yeah, he died in like his 60s. Yeah, 61, yeah. I think is what he was. But just, I mean, for that time, it's it's actually kind of old. Yeah, for that time period. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, did he ever find the, the oh, is it the Sorcerer's Stone that makes you live forever? No. No. no, that was uh, oh, that was in Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> that was what's his name? Rumpelstiltskin? No, it's in Harry Potter. It's in the Harry first Potter. one. Oh, but he's a real dude. Flamel, Nicholas Flamel. Well, Nicholas Flamel. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, no, real dude. That's what yes. I love about I Harry know. Potter. Um, so there's no rec- written record of Dipple ever working on human corpses while inside the the castle. Um. However, it's rumored, and there's rumors and legends swirling around after he fled the castle. So, again, he got driven out of his home for a third time because the townspeople were kind of sick and tired of him peddling his goo everywhere. Um, Dipple ended up dying in 1734, um, and it's suspected that he died of a stroke, but some thinks. Some people think he actually died drinking his own elixir. It's a stroke of genius. <laughs> I would tend to believe the latter of that. I would too, right? Absolutely. What's what's interesting though is is looking into the research of what he was doing. He had another guy working with him, and they were uh, they were working together, and they ended up mixing up the chemicals that they were working with, and they ended up calling creating something that was called Berlin Blue or the Parisian Blue, and it was used in like blueprints. And dyeing clothes and photography. This has been used in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually still used today. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's the one thing that he actually created that was beneficial. Right. And it was completely by accident. And he reaped no one, none of the rewards. None. <laughs> um, and then, of course, the Terry already mentioned too that in World War II during the desert campaign, uh, Dipple's oil was used to coat the insides of the wells to render the water undrinkable to actually uh, basically kill by dehydration. But yet this was the same stuff he was telling people saying, drink it, you'll live till you're and 135. And he was drinking himself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's so awful. Yeah. Wow. 
You know what's really good? I'm just going to put some put all this stuff in water and melt it down and distill it, and then I'm going to drink it. I wonder if it tasted good on a cracker. <laughs> <laughs> on a cracker? No, that's <laughs> probably melted the cracker. Does it get that skin on that's, the top where you can scrape it off? That's the British toothpaste. <laughs> I know. It even goes good on a cracker. Good on a cracker. <laughs> and so that is the glorious life of Henry Dipple. So, Mike, tell us about uh, his... Uh, entrance into uh, infamy and f- finality. Well, most people didn't even had never even heard of. I mean, I'm wagering that most of the people that are listening to this right now had. I'd be lucky if any of them had heard of uh, of Mister Dipple. I um, hadn't, Johan. I hadn't. Um, but you know, we are familiar with a story about that could be. Now, there's a lot of theories on whether it was based on him or not. It's Really, really likely that it was. I mean, it's pretty obvious that it was, but at the same time, no one has any proof. But there's, uh, we're fast forward about 100 years. He died in, uh, you said, 17. Uh, 1734. So less than 100 years later, um, there's a young lady in in England who is, uh, we'll just just kind of bank into her life a little bit and kind of leading up to how she started to tell the story that became famous. Um, her name is Mary Shelley. But Never her, heard of her. Yeah, well, her name wasn't Shelley to begin with. That was her married name. Her actually, her name was uh, Mary uh, Wollstonecraft, and her her dad's name was Godwin. So Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin. But anyway, so she was born in uh, late 18, late seventeen hundreds in uh, England, and uh, her mom died a couple of weeks after childbirth. Her dad was a publisher and an editor and a writer. Her his, her mom was a fantastic author. And and writer, um, those are the same thing, authors and writers, just in case you weren't sure. Uh, but very forward-thinking people. And so at that time, most women uh, you know, were viewed as property. You know, your husband, your father owned you, and then um, your, your husband owned you. And they really were filled one role, and that was to be subservient and subordinate to men. Have babies. Um, they didn't have they didn't have a lot of rights, they didn't have to you know, vote, they weren't respected. You know, and so because they were subordinate, um, you know, your husband had the legal authority to beat you if you were, if you spoke up, if you spoke out, if you, you know, voiced your opinions. Nowadays, you know, men get beaten by their wives because we said spoke <laughs> up and <laughs> rolling pins, frying right? pans. Don't make her mad. I got the bruises to prove it. Yes. <laughs> so, but anyway. Uh, the there's a lot about her life. I'm not going to go into a lot of things that uh, were probably not quite appropriate for the, the what we're talking about with it. But we're going to fast forward. So she was uh, her dad, being an editor, um, and actually had a, a printing press that, that that failed. But he was very forward thinking. He raised his daughter. Um, there was constantly uh, there was full education opportunities afforded to her that weren't afforded to most women at the time. And so she grew up very, very smart, you know, and at the age of 16, you know, I mean, because of, I guess because of her dad and all his connections, there were famous authors and poets that were coming over to the house. She knew all these guys. Um, one of them that she uh, met at her father's home was a guy named a poet named Percy Bysshe Shelley. Um, and he would actually become known as one of the most uh, highly regarded poets of the day. I had never heard of him because nope, I'm you know, a young punk, you know, but at that time he was actually very respected. So, 
Uh, she meets him, becomes friends with him. I mean, she's been hobnobbing with all these famous writers and poets and philosophers of the day just because of, you know, who her dad is. Uh, she ends up uh, kind of getting a little bit of a relationship with with uh, with Percy. Uh, Percy's married, but that doesn't seem to matter. Um uh, so there's whole stories on that. At one point, she did go on a trip through Europe with him. And she's young. I think she was about 14 at the time. And uh, they ran through a um, big tour through through Europe along the Rhine. And that's where it's rumored that uh, she might have heard the story of Frankenstein, Frankenstein, uh, and of the castle. Uh, the, the town uh, was called, uh, oh, shoot, I'm blanking on it now. But the town was just 10 miles from where the castle sits. Mm-hmm. And she, even though she only spent a few hours there, she obviously she would have been talking with people who were who were um, educated. And she was all, herself was always fascinated with science and with the macabre. And one of the things her husband, Percy, was a master at macabre. Of course, they weren't married at this time. So they come back to, to London. Um, things go on and then they go on another trip to um, Switzerland and they rent a villa on Lake Geneva. This is the summer of 1816 and they're renting a villa next door to another writer, famous writer named Lord Byron. He, I had heard of, couldn't tell you what he wrote because I'm uneducated. Not a clue. But I heard of him. So it brings some credibility to this, right? So anyway, the, now, the summer of 1816, there was a, it was a real, real bad summer. It was a summer of darkness. Uh, I think they called it like the little winter. It was terrible. There was a, a volcanic eruption of Mount Tam- Tambura, which is over near Singapore. And the, because of all of the ash and everything in the air, crops were failing. The temperatures were much lower all through the summer. There was a lot of darkness. The sky was very dark. Crops failing, like I said, a lot of rain. And so they spend the summer in Lake Geneva, but they spent most of their time inside because it was cold and wet outside all the time. A volcanic eruption in Singapore is halfway around the world from... Yeah. Yeah, it it caused a lot of problems. That must have caused worldwide issues. Yeah, it was uh, pretty much Northern Hemisphere is what what it... uh, Didn't didn't Mount St. Helens, when Mount St. Helens erupted, didn't that cause issues in Europe too? I think it did. Um, see, oh, they call it the year without a summer is what it's called. And it had lots of severe climate abnormalities. Um, like I said, at global temperatures plummeted, killed crops. Um, the sky was dark all across the Northern Hemisphere. And uh, at any rate, they spent most of their time inside because it was just cold and wet. And so they spent their time over, most of the time over at Lord Byron's place. Uh, I mean, that's how you become acquainted with your neighbors. Can't go do anything fun. And they would talk about stories and they would, uh, because they were educated, uh, they would talk about all the things that are going on of the day. Uh, they all had a fascination with science. And one of the recent things was there was a guy, and I want to say it was in Germany actually, that had been doing experimentations with frogs and sending electrical impulses into frog legs and making the legs twitch you know, a dead frog. Mm-hmm. And they found all that fascinating. And so the the topic of reanimation and of bringing people to life and saving life, I mean, CPR was not, an, it was just a recent thing, you know, saving a drowning victim and 
you know, bringing them back to life was still kind of a new concept to these people at this time. Right. So very popular topics. And so they actually, they're there and they come up with a contest. Lord Byron says, all right. Well, first they start talking about ghost stories and they're finding some of the local ghost stories of the day. And then Lord Byron makes a contest. Let's see who can write the best short story, ghost story. And so they come up with it. Mary has a hard time. Several days. Like, did you come up with anything yet? She's like, no, not yet. Not yet. And then one night she goes to bed and she can't fall asleep. And so she has, and she has what they call a waking dream. Which is like a daydream. Well, you're, you're awake. You're laying there. Your eyes are closed, but you're awake and you're aware of everything that's going around you. But you almost get taken somewhere else. And she sees all the things that would go into her story. She sees a, a man, a young student that is lying there and he's got a giant machine and it creates, you know, energy that brings the, and this guy's, you know, builds this body out of, you know, digs up graves, builds this body out of different people's bones and, and organs and animal organs and stuff creates this creature and then brings it to life. And then he begins to, and he's so excited that he was able to do it, but then he comes to regret what he had created and feel guilty about it. And so she brings up this whole story about it and she comes and she writes it. She writes a little bit of it, pitches the idea. And they're like, yeah, that's a great ghost story or a creepy story. Um, From there, she begins to write and she spent the whole rest of the summer and actually took her two years to write this story and get it down. And then in 1818, uh, and nobody wanted, nobody would publish it because it was written by a woman. And so finally in 1818, uh, they, they take it to a different publisher, a small one. They only printed five. They were only willing to print 500 copies because they weren't willing to take a gamble on it. And her name was not mentioned in it anywhere as the author. In fact, her husband, she did end up marrying uh, this guy, Percy, um, after his wife had committed suicide. He, they ended up getting married. And Well, that's just dark. Yeah. Well, there's more darkness with that, too. Oh, that's a whole other story in itself. But um, he writes a foreword in it. that, um, And because he's a well-known poet at the time, they just assume that he wrote it because his name is at the bottom of the foreword. Mm-hmm. And so it gets published, and it has never not been in print since then. It got Amazing. picked up, and it's never been out of print. It's constantly, they're still printing more copies. Wow. That's so, crazy. It is crazy. So, But there becomes a dilemma with that. Um, in 1831, I believe it was, um, she died. Um, he died. There was a second printing that came out in 1831. Percy, I think, died actually a little bit before that. But um, she goes to the printers and says, well, I'm the one that wrote it. And people wouldn't agree. Would you know? Once uh, Percy died, she's like, no, really, this was me. Uh, people had a hard time with it. But it was kind of, they had ended up, no choice to give her credit because he was the, Percy wasn't there to say, no, it was me. Um, now, there was a guy, fast forward up until... It was 1986. There was a, a guy that was a very um, educated person as far as Mary, Mary Shelley and her works. Found like the ancient documents and stuff. And out of the 72,000 um, words that were in there, um, uh, that he did determine from looking at notes and whatnot 
that Percy had written about 5,000 of them. And so there's people saying, well, then he should be written as a, as a co-author. But it came that, you know, that's what editors do, right? Yeah. Editors say, no, you need to rewrite this here, make this here, and made changes. And even in her manuscript, she made comments to the notes. Um, but so Mary Shelley never actually visited this castle, Castle no. Frankenstein. No, never visited it. The book she, she, she wrote, it was titled Frankenstein, a modern or a modern Prometheus, I think is what it was. And everything is pretty much loosely follows the exploits and the stories about Johann Dippel. Um, so there's a lot of question like, how would she write that if she didn't know those things? Mm-hmm. Now, there is a theory that her stepmother um, was, uh, now she had been a translator and she translated the stories from the Grimm brothers, brothers Grimm, sorry, got to say it right, um, in, from German into English. And so there's theories that maybe she had learned some of the stories from there. Mm-hmm. She Maybe she had heard some of the stories while she was in Germany um, yeah. or just talking to local people in Switzerland, talk, you know, ghost stories and stuff. They were all fascinated with it. Why did she choose the name Frankenstein though? Nobody knows. You know, that makes you wonder. So, Nobody knows. <clears throat> there was a book called The Secret Memoirs of Mary Shelley. Mm-hmm. And it's, I guess, from her own writings. And it's in, it's printed in there that claims that during that trip on the Rhine, that she was introduced to Dipple's oil, like the the story of Dipple's oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which would send her down a rabbit hole about Dipple. Exactly, which would have put her right on that path. Right on that path. And so, is that where all of this information came from? It's kind of like this veil of secrecy where she got all of it. It's almost like Dracula, right? When when you're talking about the Dracula story, it's like never been there. Don't know anything about it, but here's a story, and this is what we're what we're claiming is it. Well, and the what's of it. what's kind of weird with it too is, I mean, I think she collaborated and she took things from different things that she did know. Um, there's a section in the book, I guess, where um, there's a poem that's read, and it's actually a poem taken out of a book that her husband, future husband Percy, had written in 1811. Um, it's kind of like a love story, and it's almost like a precursor thing to the Frankenstein story. It's like a pre, hmm. uh, and so that was, everybody's like, "Well, it's his style of writing, and it's kind of continuing his last that story." So he obviously wrote it. Obviously, obviously. Um, there's, a, there's a few conspiracy theories. No, there's a lot there. of conspiracy <laughs> theories. Well, Always are. But I mean, you, obviously, women couldn't write anything like that because their heads are filled with straw and they couldn't do things. <laughs> they weren't capable of abstract well, thoughts like that. And to think that this was all written just as a game, as a dare. Right. Yeah, it was just right? a challenge. Yeah. So, But, I mean, there have been books written that have been made into major motion pictures Yep. that were written on a rainy weekend at a cabin. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Running Man or heard of the movie Running yeah. Man. Have you read the book? No. No. Written by Mr. Stephen King. And he wrote it in one weekend on two days. He went up to his cabin in Maine and it was rainy and nasty. And so. But he, this is Stephen King though. Right. But, but think about it. It's like <laughs> no, in know. two days, here's a book, here's a book, here's a picture. So like, yep. it's amazing to think that, that anything could be written off of such a, mm-hmm. a short period. Right. So the amount that she made uh, was actually very, very small uh, to begin with. Um, but in today, you know, if it were to be written today, she would have raked in more than a million just on those same books. Oh, absolutely. Um, do you guys know if her estate 
is receiving uh, or has received um, the uh, the royalties from the movie? No, don't know. I don't know because the movie is called Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. It yeah, was, it was right. solely based off of her book, which is funny because like the whole electricity and the lightning bringing the animal, yeah. bringing yeah. to life wasn't even in the book. Yeah, the lightning the that lightning was bolt. added to the movie. Yeah, yeah, because it's like it's well, it's, it, it's <laughs> well, more it's fun it's to Hollywood watch. effect. I yeah. get it. I get it, but. Yeah, yeah, that whole Doc Brown, you know, lightning bolt at this time. Yeah, yeah how would it? Yeah. Uh, now there are some some other morbid stories about it. Apparently, uh, after Percy died, she did keep his heart uh, wrapped in a silk scarf in her desk for the rest of her life. Apparently, you allegedly. That's got a stink. Uh, it says for thirty <laughs> right. years is, is, is what the, is what my notes say. And her son, uh, Sir Percy Sh- Percy Shelley. Finally opened his mother's writing desk, and uh, which had been a big part of her life because she wrote more. You know, she didn't stop with Frankenstein. Uh, she wrote several other things, and uh, he was a little uh, upset when he found that in her desk. So that's pretty dark. Um, her husband uh, did uh, die of, uh, um, well, he used a lot of drugs at the time. He used laudanum, and he took a lot of. Opium, oh, and opium was things. very. Common. Oh yeah, yeah. It would it would kind of uh, to dampen his nerves and free his mind. Well, and a lot of the drugs nowadays were used as medical remedies back then. Like they used cocaine as a drug, you know, dentistry. For, yeah, all yeah, back then, you know. Yeah. So and heroin, which is funny because they created cocaine as uh, a drug to get people off of heroin. <laughs> Oh jeez, <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> it worked really well. Totally got a lot of heroin. Yeah. Um. So, one other thing uh, I, I mentioned earlier about uh, the the creature, right? Just from the story. Now, I've never read the book, the full book, but I do know enough about it. Uh, now, the movie will tell you that Frankenstein was like this big, you know, arms out, bolts in the you neck, know, and and in the movie, young Frankenstein, we know he learns to sing, putting on the Ritz. If you haven't seen it, you've got to see this movie, because Josh. That, that song was definitely out yes. in the 1730s. Yeah, it was, it was uh, Taco wasn't an 80s band. It was much older. Yes. <laughs> but no, um, he was actually very intelligent. Um, and I just want to talk about this real quick, and then we'll actually jump back into the castle. Uh, but since we're talking about the monster, the creature, um, you know, people call him the creature. She didn't give him a name. And the doctor in the in the book didn't give him a name. She named him Doctor uh, Victor Frankenstein, Frankenstein. Um, but yeah, they never gave him a name. No. Uh, but although the creature himself, you know, considered himself to be kind of like Adam, you know, in the Bible, he read the Bible and was very well versed in the Bible apparently. And um, there's a moment uh, where the creature is actually confronting Victor, and and he's you know he's capable of these really fantastic thoughts it's not just an abnormal dead brain oh he says that the creature says at length the the thought of you crossed my mind i learned from your papers that you were my father my creator and to whom could i apply with more fitness than to him who had given me life you know so he's having these intellectual conversations and so um yeah so instead of calling him frankenstein let's just call him adam yeah (laughs) yeah it's like Victor and his son Adam. Yep. Yep. I I honestly no. like the uh, uh, 
the Van Helsing reference to the monster better. So okay. I, like, I like that monster. Like uh he was a very like peaceful and and uh docile creature actually. Um I don't know if you guys remember the movie Van Helsing. I never saw it. No? Is that the one with Hugh Jackman? Yeah, the one with Hugh Jackman. Yeah, we have that Huge? one. Yeah. I did maybe see it, but I don't remember. Yeah. So in that one, Dracula, the uh-huh. vampire, was using Frankenstein's monster to hatch his young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that. Yeah. So you get you get both stories in one. Mm-hmm. Rolled into <laughs> one. Thing is, is there's there's yeah, there's just so much fun. It's, it's fun just to create and you know, I don't know. I should stop talking because it's I definitely don't know. A, it's, I don't it's definitely a good story for sure. It is a great story, and it spawned so much. I mean, that was the original monster movie, right? I think, I think that came out before Nosferatu. I believe so. I mean, it was in like 1931. I think so. I don't know. I'm not sure. It might, or if if not, then it would be. It's really close. So same genre, but yeah, it wasn't like Dracula and Frankenstein were the first two monster movies to come out. Yeah. Okay, so Nosferatu says it came out in 1922. Okay, Nosferatu. There's a 1979 film. Uh, It's the 21, I think. That's right. Yeah, the silent film. Okay, so Dracula would come first. 1922. It's not necessarily Dracula, but a vampire. Anyway. Yeah. But let's face it, it's all Count Dracula, right? At any rate, Mary Shelley did write the story. I'm going to give her full credit because I know that even though the guys then thought that women were incapable of such advanced thoughts, I know that inside every woman's brain is evil lurking <laughs> in ways to just... <laughs> plotting. 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 Yes, plotting. they're much more complex than men are. <laughs> so, now, going back to, to Frankenstein's castle. We talked about the book. We talked about the the monster. But let's go back to the castle. Um, it's yeah. still there. Not much, but it's still well, there's there. Something there's yeah. It's uh, it's got walls. It's got at least one turret. Um, Dude, it's got freaking parties. Yeah. Well, like if you can a party, you can party in the open air. Yeah, it's definitely COVID friendly. True, although it's closed right now due to <laughs> due to, <laughs> due to COVID. It's due to COVID, but it's, <laughs> it's it is closed right now. Um, so just kind of what some of the things that we we talked about, you know, as far as why though. Why why is that area so special and why is it um significant? Because it's in the mountains. Because it's in the mountains. Well that's always a good place, yeah. It's that's, by running water. Best castles are up on those mountain ledges, like like this one is. They kind of yep. overlook, it's harder to attack uphill. Um but in the, the forest there, um there are some really strong magnetic um frequencies that are picked up there. Is Stones. That right? Stones. stones magnetic man. stones um in one of the podcasts i listened to they talked about how it was that forest and that mountain is like the second most um significant site for which um masses or pagan rituals pagan rituals and the first like, being yeah uh, you know i didn't i didn't <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> hey, because because of these stones and the magnetic currency that's up there like compasses don't work Normal compasses, it throws them all out of whack. Um, and so they were saying, you can go up to these magnetic stones, but if you come across any of these pagan rituals that happen during solstice or um, Halloween during Sawin. Sawin and stuff like that, just to keep on going. Don't disrupt them. Let them do their thing. Because still, two-day, modern day, still happens up there. 
behind the castle. So, if you want to come back, don't. Well, <laughs> well, if they're doing it on the 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 ritual holidays, right? Which uh-huh. are like the solstices, uh, the equinoxes, and Samhain. Yeah, they just don't go up. Don't there go during up those there during those times. Time, right? Just go when it's not during that time of the year. But, exactly. <laughs> but otherwise, if they are doing rituals up there, still leave them alone, man. Yeah. yeah. And so, well, and then there's the, the chapel that's there that still to this day you can get married in. But there's monuments that were created from some of these stones from, you know, from the mountains behind the castle. So that electrical current, that magnetic current has been extended into the chapel. So it's like the, you have like that whole EMF situation going on out there. Yeah, like a fear cage. Yeah, with like the the magnetic energy happening Yeah, from everything. Got to wonder what the background EMF is in that location. Right? Like, I don't know. Because. You don't. In well, case okay, so of compasses don't work, your EMF detectors wouldn't work. Well, no, they would work. Because they, they're going to give you just the background. They're just gonna, a baseline. They're just going to give you like. The, they're going to be the radiation. Yeah. Right? So, because like anything over 10 milligals of EMF can cause hallucinations, sores, other issues. Headaches. Everything. Headaches and stuff and like that. So, um, there's a phenomenon called a fear cage. And so, essentially what. Because of wiring and electronics, you can basically create an area with high EMF that will give you those feelings, mm-hmm. like you're being watched and like all of this stuff going on. So um, it definitely could be playing into that. Absolutely. You know, because it's like so they're saying like a lot of the paranormal activity that happens there, that claims to happen there, is around the chapel, which is where those stones are at with all that magnetic energy. Right. So it's like, is it really paranormal stuff or is it just hallucinations the, yeah hallucinations are the magnetic energy that you're feeling the, the right. high emf i guess it would depend upon whether or not you catch it on a non like if you catch it on camera right like yeah if you catch a ghost walking on camera it doesn't matter if there's high emf or if you're hallucinating and seeing a dinosaur walk across the, the room like your camera doesn't care so right. It would be cool to see a dinosaur walking across the room. Yeah, because like some of the right, like there's a show about that called Paranormal Caught on Tape, and like most of it's fake. <laughs> I have a hard time watching that show, but like a lot of the a lot of the paranormal sightings and ghost sightings have happened in the chapel. Like a lot of people report report a ghost of Dibble roaming the chapel. They report seeing him hunched over, like studying in his laboratory and roaming the grounds of the castle. Um, they also say because he was grave robbing for his experience for experiments that the people that he was grave robbing walk the castle grounds and stuff. You know what's crazy about that is like the rumors of him grave robbing and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. they're like, oh yeah, he built this device which he was trying to move the soul from from a living to an anim- uh-huh. to a corpse, right? Yeah, using then you could do it with three a funnel, tools. a funnel, a hose, yeah. a hose, lubricant, and lubricant. Yeah. What hole are you putting that in? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> well, then there's like a lot of the locals have stories passed down from ancestors and generations that the devil and notable pres is a notable presence there surrounding the castle, and that visitors will describe odd feelings while in the forest, sometimes uneasy, like you're being watched or followed. Um, described as like you know. Woodland spirits are watching over you, which would go back to the whole magnetic and EMF energy that's out there. Yeah, yeah. Right. back to the fear cage. Right. Now, if you don't know what, what, what we're talking about with the fear cage thing, um, when you are experienced, when you're exposed to higher levels than 
EM, of EMF than normal. Like Josh said, I believe it's 10, you said? 10. Which You'll start to not a lot. feel uneasy. And I mean, going into people's homes who are having paranormal experiences, like I feel like I'm watched. Every time I sit over on the couch over here, you know, I know that there's some, just, I have these crazy dreams and I see things and I hear things. Well, a lot of times it's because we'll go check it out and that EMF level is high. And you find out, oh, well, there's actually a power line that runs right next to that window. Mm-hmm. Um, we were watching one episode of Ghost Hunters. Mm-hmm. And that, there was that claim, right? Hey, we're sitting on this couch and we see stuff down the hallway, and we, we always sick, we always headaches. feel sick. And they found a fifty milligal baseline reading by that couch wow. because that of bad. uncoated wiring. Yep. And it's like, oh my gosh, how are you not worse off? Cancer. Yeah. yeah. But, but you see, then you can also flip that and like, is all that energy attracting the spirits? Well, and this is true, but you know, we are taught as investigators, right? That if you can explain it with, if you can explain it with normal science and those things that it's, we, we have it's to intelligent, we have to debunk some of that yeah. information. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, well, if they really are having issues, let's fix the wiring and, if, and see if it still happens. And, yeah. Right. And see if it's still happening or if it moves, because if it's a spirit that's causing this, you know, high emit, you know, you, we will use the, the instruments to determine, it, you know, spirits have electric energy. If you, keep getting the same reading on one spot but it doesn't move then well what is it about that spot but if that spot moves and all of a sudden wait it's disappeared now it was super high now it's low oh now it's over here yeah then we look at those but we try to debunk and mm-hmm. i've i've seen it before on uh houses that we've been to where just the emf was so high that you know totally explains why people would be wigging out yeah i, I uh it might up. even draw someone into being crazy and Thinking that they can bring people back to life by creating, right? digging up graves and <laughs> and doing nasty lubrication oil, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah. I mean, there's there's also a ghost story between these two lovers, Philip and Anne Marie. Um, so Philip was the last night of he's a, got a stone statue on the wall in Castle Frankenstein, and his um, he was one of the last nights. His name was Philip Ludwig. And he was 20 years old in a coach to go see his girlfriend, but the horse was going so fast he got thrown out and broke his neck and died. Mm-hmm. And like his spirit has been seen roaming around, you know, sad that he died without a girlfriend, still trying to find Anne Marie. And then Anne Marie, who waited and waited for Philip to show up, but never did. Story says she died of a broken ha- heart. And so now Anne Marie's ghost is seen flying up to the tower. And settles on the ground, praying that her boyfriend will come to her. So if they're both roaming there together, can you just find each other? <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, ghost here? You think ghost they'd be here. on the same plane, you right? Know what I mean? right? You would think that they would be able to make a connection somewhere and but find each other. But what if they're not, somehow? I don't know. But what if it's not? Yeah. What if it's residual on that avenue, That though? could be residual. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Or it could so. be people hallucinating, thinking they saw them. <laughs> There's that, too. <laughs> <laughs> So one of the the legends that is um, based around the castle is George and the dragon. So you have Lord George, the dragon slayer, is said that um, there was a dangerous dragon that lived in the gardens near the well of the castle of Berg Frankenstein. And so the peasants of the neighboring village, is it Nieder? Nieder beer back. Nieder beer back. Nieder, need my beer back. They lived in fear of the mighty dragon, and it is said that the dragon would creep in at night and eat the villagers and their children in their sleep. And one day, 
you know, George Knight came by and uh, rode into town and the townsfolks were desperate seeking for a brave knight to give them hope. And they poured out their troubles and sorrows to have him help them. So the next day he put on his armor, rode up to the castle, into the garden and straight to the well where the dragon was taking a rest. And Lord George got off his horse and attacked the dragon. And they had a big battle. The dragon fought for his life, spewed out fire and steam. And after hours of fighting and both of the dragon and the knight, you know, almost out of exhaustion, the knight plunged the sword into the underbelly of the dragon, killing the dragon. But as the dragon was dying in his agony, his to- his tail coiled around Lord George and the poisonous spikes on the end of the dragon tail got George and killed him too. <laughs> That's like the perfect story of every dragon slayer, right? Yeah. All that just to both <laughs> wind up, up on him, sneak up on him while he's taking a nap, and then go ha ha. <laughs> so the villagers were happy and relieved that the dragon was finally dead, and they gave the knight a proper burial. And you can actually still go and visit his gravesite and his tomb in Niederbierbach. Yeah, it actually says it's just on the in, in the valley on the east side of the castle. Yep. Wow. So make sure you get that on your itinerary, Castle Frankenstein. And Bucket the Dragon Slayer's too. Lord George's too. Right. <clears throat> yep. So interesting enough, uh, the Ghost Hunters International went there, and they mm-hmm. they believe that they actually got an EVP with that guy. Um, of the Dragon that Slayer. That he was named, yeah, Arbog- yeah. Arbogast. Yeah, it was. I guess his name. Well, and the EVP was you in such old German that when they took the EVP to, I think it was the concierge at their hotel or somewhere yeah to try to translate it that he couldn't even translate it because it was such an it was such old german verbiage and they actually ended up translating it to arbo is here which would mean arbogast the name of the knight of the castle which is interesting because that's the name that jamie came up with of the knight who won the land Back in the Battle in, of Arms. In the Battle of Arms. Uh-huh. Oh, 10th century. Late 10th century. I slap you with this arm. Yeah. Yep. I can just tell you, I swear that's in a movie where they have arms and they're beating each other with the arms. It's probably a Monty Python movie. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> you know, it could be. And there's also been people reporting that they've had like stones thrown at them from the top of the tower mm-hmm. and people hearing voices and feeling like you have ants crawling on you, which would lead back to the whole magnetic stuff again. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, and, and that's where it leads into a challenge too, because like the ants, the, the stones, I mean, it look, it's, it's an old building too, right? Like mm-hmm. a stone can fall off the side of the building. Absolutely. You know, where in gravity and stuff. So is it really a ghost throwing it off or, are you so freaked out because of the high EMF, you know, that mm-hmm. you're assuming that, and that, I mean, it's the same thing, like, you know, doing a paranormal investigation, right? Like you're already so hyped up, you know, doing the investigation that if something moves or falls, you could freak out and say that stone was thrown. And really it was a right. piece of the ceiling falling down. Hey, I just found in my notes, the number one, most hot, the place yes. for the witches, it's Mount Brocken in the Harz, whatever that is. So Mount Brocken. He's so proud he found. Hey, that. I found. It. I was like, I know, <laughs> I know this. Stuff. I got nothing. I don't even know what there is. So, did you guys know that there's a fountain of youth there at the castle? Yeah. Is it full of Dipple's oil? Because that uh, right. <laughs> no, hidden hidden behind the herb garden of the castle, there is a fountain of youth, and the legend is that the first full moon night after 
Walpurgis Night. Am I saying that right? Yep. Good, um, close enough. You're right. <laughs> it's the 5th of June. Hey, yeah. we're from Utah. At least we are. <laughs> yeah. We know speaking no German. Um, the old women of the nearby villages had to undergo tests of courage. And the one who succeeded became rejuvenated at to the age that she had been on the night of her wedding. It is not known if this tradition is still being practiced today. But if it is, I'm going. What if it's like Hunger Games, though? Like, it's a fight to the death. <laughs> right? Like, you got these, like, 90-year-old women out there with swords, like, hacking at each other. I would love to go back to be, you know, 22 when I got married. <laughs> right? She's like, I would not but, marry this turkey. But, but think about this, though. It's like, okay, so she wins. She goes back to 25, but her husband's still 80. Oh, don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. It's like uh, Chris Evans, Captain America, still loved his wife after she was old. Dip it the other way around then. Like she just dump us and I just I just wanted to find a way to mention Captain America. <laughs> uh, no, today the the castle is open. Um, it's actually closed because of it, COVID. Well, yeah, but okay. When, assuming that non COVID years, they actually yeah. do some fun a stuff. A year there. ago, you could still go and visit. Not a year ago, <laughs> Two a couple years, ago. year and a half ago, so, you yeah. could still go and visit. Hundred percent. No, they actually have a Halloween tradition up there that was actually yep. started by U.S. soldiers. But we're, rewind a little bit. We're going to go back to 1915, okay? So on Halloween night, 1952. Sorry, I said 1915. 1952. Do you guys know the story? So there's a, a guy named John Keel. He sent three American forces network reporters to Frankenstein Castle to explore the castle for a live radio broadcast. Okay? Why? Because it makes for good radio. We're going to go send these three soldiers out there to go explore it on Halloween. It's for exciting Why not? Why <laughs> not? They're okay. really just in some, they're really Whoa. like four tenths over. <laughs> so the reporters uh, were told that a local legend claimed that Frankenstein's monster would return to the castle that night. So uh, reporter Carl Nelson investigated the castle's crypt where Keel, the guy that had sent them up there, had actually set up a statue in the middle of the crypt and rigged it to move and topple as a prank, terrifying Nelson. Nice. So he sends them out there, sets it up. Reportedly, it frightened radio listeners and bomb- and uh, they bombarded the station with calls and the military police were actually, actually dispatched to the castle <laughs> to go save these guys. That's oh so gosh. cool. That's awesome. That's, That's awesome. awesome. That is, that is, that that is why. That makes Americans look so good. <laughs> That's like War of the Worlds. I know, well, right? It kind of is. I mean, that's, it was 1952. So, um, but then you fast forward into the 70s. And again, American servicemen, um, we, we talked about this before. Do you want to go with it, Jamie? No, go ahead. You sure? You got it. Okay. So in 1978, American airmen from the 435th, Transport, 435th Transportation Squadron stationed at uh, Rhine Main Air Base. Uh, they actually started an annual Halloween festival at the castle, which became one of the biggest Halloween festivals in Europe. Can we go next year? I would totally want to. No, let's give it a couple of years. So <laughs> COVID don't let things open. That's true. It might um, not be open. They, they've had, also had other things. In 77, uh, there was a running competition routed along the steep forest trails um, around the castle. Not doing that. No. Um, and that run was actually held in 2008. Uh, when the all the American forces left the town of Darmstadt. Oh wow! So and then uh, so the city organized the final race in October of 2008. But they still do this, the Halloween stuff. Um, it's a reserve. I mean, you can get reservations. It's a wedding 
place like yeah you said um well pre-covid i'm pretty sure i don't think they do it right now but the castle is was open year-round there's a restaurant on site and the restaurant does like medieval medieval dinners or haunted dinners nice right? sign me up for this i would love to go and right? do it. even this the medieval yeah, we'll one go would back. be really cool we'll just go two nights in a row but they do those year-round medieval um, night there's the there's a chat like the chapel on site. You can still get married to the chapel. How cool it'd be like I got married at the chapel at Frankenstein Castle. Yeah, right? be awesome. That'd be so cool. And we all went crazy because of the magnetic. <laughs> so what we what we all can do is we all take a trip to Frankenstein's castle. We have dinner and then we do vow renewals in the chapel. Right. With EMF detectors out. <laughs> and then we go hunt. And then we go hunt. And then we go hunt. We have yeah, we have all stuff out there. Dowsy rods. Does anybody object? So I don't know. I tried I tried well, to go saying no. I tried to go to their website to like look at pricing and to get more information, but it's all in German. I can't read it. I'm sorry. No, I tried. No hablo alemán. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't figure out how to translate it. I wonder I should have contacted my brother to see if he ever went there when he was over in Germany. Because he went to all the places. Well, I'm over sure there. he did, actually. Mm-hmm. So, Just yeah. for our own entertainment. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I should have contacted him, and I didn't. Should have. Let's see. It's only eleven o'clock at night there. Let's call him. <laughs> They'll probably yep. be up. <laughs> so, well, but I'm yeah, I definitely, I definitely is. I'm adding this on a list of a place I'd like to visit someday. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah. I'd rather this go place... here than Brom. Hundred percent. And what, and then I would what, like to see Braum just because of where it's located, though. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's up in the mountains and it's away from everything. So mm-hmm. like going to Braum would be really neat. But no, this place is cooler. I think this is high would be higher on my list to try to get to okay. over Braum. This one or the one that has the like the covering to the portal to hell. Do you have to choose? Mm, why not both? I'm making her choose. I'd probably do this one. Really? Yeah. Because you really wanted to go to that one. I don't remember what it was called. Um. Do you remember you talking about that? Did you just talk about that one? I, that pit? That, I know what no, you're talking about. No, we've talked about it because we were going to do it. It is an crazy. episode on the podcast, but we haven't done it yet. Mainly just because that place is, seems a lot more evil. And I don't know if I want to muck with that. Evil. The cool thing, though, is like all of these places are... Huska lo- Castle. That's what it is. Huska. 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 Mickey Mouse. All these places are in Europe. And so the neat thing is, is like because they're all in Europe, they're all close to each other. Some, some of them, right? So we, you know, you could take a trip. Oh, relatively, yeah, relatively, right? You can drop into France, and then make your way to Germany, and then go north and hit some stuff in the UK and Scotland and Ireland and in Wales, and then uh, end in, you know. But there's no ha- there's no haunted stuff in the UK. No, <laughs> not, there's not nothing haunted in, in the UK. <laughs> it's in Chechnya. Yeah, the Huska Castle is in Chechnya. Chechnya. Chechia or Chechia? Chechia. It says Chechia. 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 Where the heck is it? C-Z-E-C-H-I-A. I believe that's the former Czech Republic. Is where it's at. The former Czechoslovakia. No, that's Yugoslavia. I don't know, man. It's north of Prague. Oh. Oh, that's Switzerland. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. I, Prague's I, in Czechoslovakia. Geography, I don't know. Geography, Sorry. I do know. <laughs> well, the thing that gets tough is like when uh, when Russia broke up, uh, when it was no longer the Soviet Union and it, and it broke up into its satellite countries, right? All you sorts of all tiny little, little countries, countries got made out there. Yeah. Yep. So it's probably Western Bloc or Eastern Bloc. Eastern uh, Bloc for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. yeah. Some Europe. some tiny little town. So yeah, no, I would probably still choose Frankenstein over that place. Cool. Well, um, and Frankfurt's nearby too, so then you know, like you know, mm-hmm. Jamie's got a Frankenstein socks on. Jamie's playing. Does she really? 
You guys are like getting that frisky. Oh my gosh, she does. That's awesome. (laughs) Was this planned? No. (laughs) I just realized it myself. (laughs) Love it. So anyways, I think that wraps it up, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There's so much we didn't cover. So much we could have, but you know, for the interest of I think we got it in a nutshell though. I think we did. Okay. It's 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 such an interesting place. Like the crazy thing about it is for as old of a castle as it is, right? We're talking Mm -hmm. uh twelve hundreds. Or earlier, it's one of the oldest castles out there. Really, there's just not a lot out no. there, though, Mm-mm. which is amazing. So, mm-hmm. um, how is it that such an old castle has nothing written on it? Well, even with our research for Brom, like there's more hauntings here than there was at Brom. You think there would be, more, you know, at least reported, right? Yeah, reported. Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, culture's been there. Like uh, I, I did read um, hear about that there was they had done some archaeological things. They had found. Um, artifacts in this area for up to 3000 BC, you know, so definitely yes. civilization has been here around where these stones are and this mountain, right? You know, for centuries. I wonder know. if I can touch these stones and travel in time like Outlander 3000 BC, man. Maybe, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like, and that's the thing is like the 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 old Germanic tribes were in that area, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so there's the history's there. It's just for whatever reason, the written history is not. That's just crazy. It's just not documented. Well, written yeah. history didn't exist until how? Until when? Well, it was definitely around in the 1600s. True. <laughs> um, but it's just for whatever reason that stuff just didn't make its way out, and so mm-hmm. you know, and it's that's a conspiracy. why. Yeah. That's why it's all left to folklore. Like all of the stuff that we found is is basically folklorish based. It's because yeah. the aliens that live there don't want us to know. <laughs> it's always possible. <laughs> it's always so aliens. nothing's written. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Well, we've gone on long enough. But if you are thirsty for more information, go find it, man. The the, the interwebs are full of information about Frankenstein's castle, Mary Shelley, Victor Dibble. Dip- Johan. Johan Dibble, sorry. Victor Frankenstein. Yes. Same guy, maybe. Possibly. Could be. Um, you can find out more about reanimation of corpses. I mean, there's all kinds of fun stuff you can talk, you know, you, you can find. You can find out what the purpose of the funnel, the hose, and the lubricant was. <laughs> yes. <Ew. laughs> be careful when search- researching that, though. Yes. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, if you've been there. Drop us a note. Tell us what what you experienced there. We oh my gosh, to, I'd love to hear. Your story. I would love to oh, hear stories. You know, we are on Facebook. You can find us at the Paranormal Paranormal Peeps Podcast on Facebook. Yes, great place to drop your story. Please keep it clean. Um, where else are we, Josh? Uh, we're also on Facebook. We have uh, you can find us at uh, Cold Spot Paranormal Research. Yep. And on Instagram, we've got Cold Spot underscore Paranormal underscore Research. Absolutely. Yeah. Come find us out. Um, you know, get, look, if you guys like what we're doing, uh, please leave us a review. Um, Apple, Google. Um, yeah, just leave us a review. Um, Podchaser is a great place. We can actually interact with you Interact with you there. Um, but yeah, let us know. Give us a rating. Let us know how, you're, how we're doing. Um, and then find us on Facebook or Instagram. And just let us know if there's anything else you want us to cover. Yeah. I do want to give one quick shout. I don't know if we did the shout outs before. So we have one follower on Instagram that we always look forward to um, that anytime we get posted anything on Instagram, 
Um, Terry goes, hey, our listener in Scotland probably liked it. So just wanted to give her some love because, you know, being Scottish, advanced myself, um, her name's Julie. Did you give her whole name, she think? That's her username on her on her Instagram page. Well, just like, Julie, you know who you are. We appreciate <laughs> you. We love you. Thank you, Absolutely. Julie. Thank yeah. you, Julie. Thank thanks you so for much. liking all of our Instagram posts. And thanks for listening. Now tell all the rest of the people in Scotland to come listen to us. Please. So other than that, you guys have a fun one. Have a Merry Christmas. Happy Yule. Happy Han- Hanukkah. Kwanzaa. All the fun stuff, man. I don't know. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. In the meantime. Stay ghosty, my peeps. Thank you for listening to the Paranormal Peeps Podcast. You can find us on social media at Twitter at CPR Paranormal, on Facebook at Paranormal Peeps Podcast and Cold Spot Paranormal Research. And you can find us on Instagram at Cold Spot underscore Paranormal underscore Research.